Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files. It's that day, Election Day, November 3rd. I'm Tom Donaldson, and Coco Konski is along with me. We may have a couple of guests call in, so we'll see how what they are able to do. Uh, so let me tell you, I'm the chairman of America's PAC. I'm also the project director for America's Majority Foundation, and I'm the author of eight great books. None of which are bestsellers, but they all should be. And Coco. Hey, guys. How's it going? It is election day. Um, I can't believe it's already November 3rd. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Um, You know, in a couple weeks, it's going to be Thanksgiving. So uh, this year, we're going to fly into the next year pretty soon. Yeah. All right. Uh, thought I would do this as a public service. I'm looking here. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Um, all right. Let me see here. I If I've got all of this correct, uh, here are some of the closing times. Uh, if you live in Florida, Georgia, It is on. I just put it this way on the eastern time zone because Florida has actually got two time zones. Uh, right. You know, eastern and and so basically Florida Central Time listed here is 8 p.m. 7 p.m. Eastern Time. It kind of should be backwards. Okay. So just to let you know, uh, Georgia 7 p.m. So that means it is about an hour left to vote. North Carolina, 7.30, an hour and a half to vote. Ohio, an hour and a half left to vote. What else we got here? Pennsylvania is 8.20 days thereafter. We're counting the ballots. Uh, Texas will be central time zone. Uh, Michigan, eastern time zone. Uh, 8 p.m. eastern time. Uh, Let me see if there's any other... Battleground states I missed there. Uh, so, and so and then here we're not 9 p.m. Arizona. Uh, so that's that specific time, or is that they don't say? One of everything is Eastern, yeah. Okay. Yeah, everything here is on my list is listed. So that'd be, if I'm not correct, it'd be. Do they close at 6 p.m. or do they close at 9 p.m. Pacific time? I don't actually know, but I know uh, North Carolina, um, they close at 7.30. Yeah, 7.30. Okay, then this is Eastern. So 7 p.m. Pacific time, and it is, uh, so that means it's about, what, four hours left in Arizona? Uh, California mm-hmm. is at 9, 9 p.m. Pacific time. Nevada. 
is uh, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Right. And Alaska is... Well, I mean... No, I was going to say, um, I was going to say that uh, right now I just saw on Facebook, it was a live uh, shot of Surprise City, Arizona, which is kind of near Phoenix, and um, they had to use a helicopter shot to show the people um, in, um, in the lines. So um, it was, like, miles. People are coming up and showing up. They're going, like, voting, and it's it, it's a great thing. And I think that, um, especially since it's, like, basically, like, uh, miles of lines, pretty much, right now in Arizona. Well, I'm hearing everything. I know, like, I'm seeing the same thing in Florida, uh yeah, I actually all over the place. So we'll see what happens here. Uh, we'll see how many people voted. About 100 million people have already voted. The real question is how many more people will vote today on Election Day. Uh, and we'll go from there. We'll see what happens. Uh, so uh, now you mentioned something off the air, and I wanted to kind of mm-hmm. uh, get this, and that would be uh, – Election anxiety. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, go ahead and talk about it because you mentioned it to me. Well, so, I think it's, no. it's, it's not uncommon. I mean, I up until leading to, like, today, I have just been feeling, like, just anxiety, and it, it's mostly due to the election. I mean, you know, and I think that's, that's very normal. It's not just me. It's people that I've talked to and – they're saying the same things, you know, they're, they're very nervous. You know, these, some, like I, I've even been talking to um, a lot of people who are first time voters and they're like in their late thirties, you know, um, a lot of this is first time voters. Um, a lot of us are former Republican voters Um including myself, I actually realized, I didn't know this, but I've been trying to change my party affiliation for a very um, kind of long time, it seems. And I thought I had, you know, I, mm-hmm. I thought I was a registered Democrat, and as it turns out, I'm still a registered Republican. So... Um, I, I just thought that's so interesting, you know, and uh, I wonder how, like, you're actually able to, like, t- do you know how to do that? Well, actually, uh, go down to the election board and change it. Or when you vote. Yeah. A lot of times if you vote, but see, the other thing, too, like, okay, if you have a primary, um, you can just, I don't know what it's California, Iowa, you have the you know, you, when you have a private, you can declare which party you're for, uh, mm-hmm. or if you go to the mm-hmm. caucus. Well, I thought I had done that, and so, but as it turns out, I looked at my registration. I, I, I actually, this is actually a really good sign. It's called ballot checker, and basically, they'll it informs you if you have received, they have received your ballot. So yeah. I signed up for that. 
but I looked at it and it said I was a registered Republican. I'm like, I literally thought I changed that four years ago and apparently it never got changed. Hmm. So Well, okay. I mean, like you say, you can declare yourself. I mean, you can go to the election board, take care of it. Or let's say if you vote in a primary, uh, you you can say, I want, I'm going to, I want to declare myself a Democrat during the primary and they'll put you down as that. Uh, same thing with the caucus. Mm-hmm. If you go to a caucus, the, you know, you'll register and you can register you know, as that party. Cause, yeah. So. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I just thought, I just, I just thought because, you know, um, like I was, I, 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 this is the first election where I have voted just all democratic, but um, interesting enough, I got kind of into a little tiff. I love that word tiff. Um, with Julie Borkowski. Do you know who she is, Tom? She's like, she, I guess. Okay. She's a libertarian. So, no, yeah. she's not. She's not. Okay. This well, is she, really funny. This, this is really funny. Well, this, this is exactly, Let me get the, Because I follow on, her on. Yeah. All right. Well, let me, let me tell you about my literal encounter with her real quick. Yeah. So she put out this tweet saying, well, it's okay to vote for, for Trump. It's okay to vote for Joe Gorgeson, whatever the woman's name is, and but it's not okay to vote for Biden. So then I wrote, okay, Julie, stop trying to be liberal. It's okay to stop pretending to be a libertarian. Which she replied, I am not a libertarian. Um, since when? Yeah, since when? <laughs> since <laughs> well, when? Here's the thing. I, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, I mean, yeah, because yeah, because here's the thing. She's got on her Twitter site. LibertyJunkies.com. But she's not a libertarian. She she doesn't she does not she does not <laughs> proclaim libertarianism anymore. Because I, oh. I, I I literally said Julie. I said Julie, that's not very libertarianism libertarian of you. And she flat out says I'm not a libertarian. And I, I'm I'm kind of like okay. Well, oh. I was like, well, you know, it's kind of funny because you know, in in my world, like. Um, you know, I don't tell people how to think or how to vote. Like, you're going to vote for who you want to, but, you know, for you to tell people not to vote for Biden is just, like, is dumb, and it's not, you know, she, she to me, she she's, like, I, 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 I remember her from 2010, you yeah. know, um, but I was, like, thank you so much for telling me what to think, Julie. That's amazing. Well, I guess. Well, I'm gonna put it this way: I, I've never met the woman. I always viewed her for years as a libertarian. Let's hold on. I thought this Tom Donson, Coco Konski, here on the Donaldson Files, on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe Radio Broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Welcome to Talk with Barry Bonds. Barry, where you can hear about the NFL stars of tomorrow. Today, listen to Barry every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at blocktalkradio.com dash LA dash bachelor, you know, slash LA dash bachelor. And the podcast every day at 2 to 3 p.m. 
Eastern Standard Time with back-to-back episodes at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Are you interested in having your own show or advertising? Email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com. Listen and stay informed. And for those people who want to actually uh, talk to us tonight, uh, um, mm-hmm. here's our phone number. It's 646-929-0130, 646-929-0130 if you want to talk to us. And let me see what else. And also we are on 3 a.m., 10 a.m. every day on the bachelors.airtime.pro. Okay, so I think I got everything. Did I forget anything, Coco? Did I get everything? Yes. Okay. All right. So I guess, like I say, uh, like I said, I've never met Julie. I don't, you know, I've, you know, I've followed on occasion on Twitter. That's about it. Uh, so I, I just I think don't... it's funny that all of a sudden she's not a libertarian. Yeah. Because for I years, always... and, and I, I'm not saying like you shouldn't switch your parties or whatever, but like don't don't ask don't don't have your liberty website. Don't have like you know. Everyone she follows is like libertarian. Everyone, everything basically, she is a libertarian. So for her to like, you know, tell people like, you know, she has this platform and she's like encouraging people well, don't vote for Joe Biden. Like that's not okay. And it's like, it's like, shut up. I'm sorry, but you know what? Stop pretending you're a libertarian. But apparently she's not a libertarian anymore. So um, I, I did, I'm just curious to know when that happened. But anyway, she blocked me. So all right. That's quite a bit on Twitter. I mean, why would she block you just for making this point? Or um, well, I want to go back. Why would she block me, Tom? Um, yeah. Well, I called her out on one thing. Yeah, but uh. And um. And then I wrote to her. I think it's okay to vote for whoever you want. Your conscience tells you to vote for, but that's just me. So, um, yeah, I just, I don't understand, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, okay, here's the thing. Like I say, who knows? Uh, now, I, a couple of things here, because like I say, it's, I don't think this race is going to be decided quickly. Uh, I just don't. Uh, polls have been tightening, tightening, and tightening. Uh, and there's a lot of things out there that, you know, talking to people, you know, the advantage I have is I get to, I do this for a living and I get to talk to all kinds of people who are all, all over the place. Of course, I have my own poster at home on my poster on my staff. So we have some, you know, so he always is, you know, gives kind of advice, but, uh, you know, it, it, like I say, there's something about a week and a half, about a week and a half ago, I had a conversation with a poster who I'll, uh, the, the gentleman who does Trafalgar, the Trafalgar poster, and he you know, he was starting to say some interesting things, and I, and I was kind of questioning. I said, well, you know, you got poll A, poll B, poll C. I mean, so why are you different? You know, what are you seeing that everybody else is not seeing? And he said, you know, they said there's a group out there that, quite frankly, he called them the shy Trump voters. How much of that is, is there? I do believe there is something there to it. My own poster is telling me there's something to it. Even though we've tried to design, you know, ways to to contact people because we kind of, you know, split people up in different ways and try to figure out, okay, you know, who you are and 
you know, who you are out there. But, yeah, and he was, and by the way, Trafalgar got 2016 and 2018, the races that they pulled, they got it right when other people didn't get it right. Uh, so it's not like these guys can be dismissed out of hand. And uh, now I've noticed all the other polls have started to tighten up. It's almost as if somebody decided, you know, if this thing turns mm-hmm. out to be tight, you know, we're going to have, we got a reputation to protect. <laughs> That's why I say half of these people are pulling that tight enough polls is more or less for that. But here's the thing. Uh, the biggest problem you're going to have with polls that I've always found is who's going to vote. And this is, and, and there's one poster that said, you know, we try to, you know, in a way we, you know, the model we've done are designed for a regular election. And as anybody knows, this is not a regular election. It's all about is it, that it's hard. To, let, let me give an example here. And I'll get your opinion on this because it, it kind of struck me as, okay, there have been numerous reports I've been reading from reliable sources where they're having less turnout. In the urban centers, big turnouts in the rural areas in some of these battleground states. And I don't know if that's because, hey, those people already voted in the urban centers, or this is a sign that, A, something is happening and that the the voter turnout is not what they think it's going to be. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. thought it was interesting, like in Wisconsin. You literally have the Democratic Party telling people, go out and vote. Mm-hmm. You know, go out and vote. I mean, you know, and, and the problem is for a lot of these states, you know, some of the years like in the Midwest, they're telling people, you know, COVID, COVID, you know, vote early, early, you know, you're the one standing in line, you might get COVID. Now, it's only the Well, yeah, <laughs> because like that, that's the whole reason why I did it, because I was very sick at the time. And so I said, I'm not yeah. sure I'm not be able to make it to the polls. So that's why I voted early. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, yeah, but like I say, the point I'm going to make here is that, you know, when I see it, there are a little – see, I always kind of looked at a theory is I see what my opponents are doing. And I see what, you know, and it, and sometimes I – and I always find, okay, where are they campaigning? Where are they going? What are they telling their troops? Like they, you know, and those are little things I look at and say, you know, example today. Uh you know, they were talking to one of the Biden people, and he comes out and says, we can win without Pennsylvania and Florida. And I'm like, you've been campaigning in those two states. What are you telling me? Are you saying you're not sure of Florida and Pennsylvania that you were a week ago? No, I don't think scram- that's the case. I think, yeah. you know, I think that I, – I think he's going to win. I, I really yeah. do. I know. Um, yeah. Well, it's a, like I say to me, yeah, it's an interesting thing because it's a strange thing to say. I'm be. sorry, but Trump has said way stranger stuff than that. I mean, I don't know. I don't no. know. He, 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 went, he went on a crazy, crazy, like, I have my, my Twitter on, right? And I have my notifications. And I swear to God, my phone was going crazy yesterday. And all it was was because of Trump tweeting. And I was like, Jesus. Like, he was, like, bragging that, like, Nigeria threw him a parade. It's like, okay, cool. Like, I, I don't know. I, 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 I still think he needs to get his Twitter under control. I really do. Yeah. Well, he'll have four more years to do that. 
<laughs> no, I won't because uh, I won't. Yeah, because yeah. he's not going to be reelected. Well, I'm already on record to say he will, and that's what I'm trying to say. I'm looking. He at, won't. I'm going be. I'm saying this is my point. This is my point to say. This is why I think it's a lot closer than people say it is, and I, and I had people tell me this thing. Is you know definitely close, and there are states out there that may in fact be turning Trump, and we'll again we'll find out how you know whether or not or wrong. But I thought today that was a strange statement to make to say we can win by Pennsylvania or Florida. You're usually when I hear campaign managers or campaign staff say things like that, that's their way of saying we may not win those states after all. So Plan B is in effect. I don't know. I mean, again, I mean, those are the things know. you look at. Yeah, those are the things you look at. It's like when I look at people, where are they campaigning? Uh, and I think there's like, you know, neither one of them really, this again goes back to, you know, you said Texas is going to be, you know, I think there was like one campaign stopped by Biden in Texas, which is about as many he did in Iowa, which struck me as strange. And And my view is, the reason why you're not seeing any campaigns there is because they already got the polls and saying no, Texas, you know, Texas is off the, you know, Texas is not going to happen, and Georgia's close, but in the past three weeks, there was one campaign stop in Georgia by Biden. There was one campaign stop, I think, with Obama, one, the last two or three weeks. And again, I don't know, you know, what that tells me, what the polls are saying, you know, it's because remember these people have their own pollsters. Yeah, and unlike, let's say, for example, a pollster who does polls for CNN, these people need to be accurate, as accurate as they can be, because their jobs depends on it. If they come off out by a factor, you know, if you know, let's say they end up losing the election and off by three or four percentage points, somebody's going to pay the price, or they're going to look at your methodology and say, "What the hell do you, you do?" Because uh, I mean, Rodney was in. The, I mean, I remember 2012. The Romney posters were telling Romney he's got he's going to win. Well, he, as I remember, President Romney is you know did not happen. Uh, and so that's why you're looking where these people are campaigning. And there were a lot of campaign stops in Pennsylvania, a lot of campaign stops in Florida for both sides. Now, that tells me it's close. But it also tells me if they're saying we can win without them, I'm wondering what they're reading in the polls. That's what you have to you know, that, again. You know, these are the things I look at when I look at a political race. Yeah. What, what, what do you pay attention to? Um, I'm not paying attention to the polls. I'll tell you why. Um, yeah. No, no, I'm at, yeah, a okay, lot of them, You know, a lot of them, um, the election's not over till all the votes are in. That's how I'm going to put it. Yeah. But you kind of made an interesting point. You said, well, you know, you know, just you know, because you made a point. Okay, in Texas, you, there was a count. You know, an areas in Texas where you said you saw all, you know, all Biden's signs. Uh, yeah, um, in Texas, yeah. in Texas, um, I had a friend of mine who was driving from um, L.A. to Georgia, and on the way to uh, Texas, El Paso, uh, he saw nothing but a Biden sign. Mm-hmm. Okay, El Paso. All right. Of course, there's a lot of areas in that area. It's fairly democratic near El Paso. Yeah, I don't, you know, don't know what y'all travel through, but 
Yeah, I, I, I would put it this way, because here's the thing I noticed in Iowa, and like the Cedar Rapids area. Uh, interesting enough, the Democrats got their signs up first. Now I've seen it even. But you go outside to Cedar Rapids in the rural areas, you don't see Biden signs at all. Inside, let's say, the Cedar Rapids area, uh, you see Biden signs and Trump signs all over the place. You go outside, and again, it doesn't mean any, you know, this, but, you know, it, you know, these are the kind of things that you look at and you say to yourself, uh, uh, what could this mean? It could, you know, certainly if you're not seeing anything in a specific area or you're just seeing one party sign, that's usually a pretty good indication that particular area where it's going to go. This is Tom Donaldson, Coco Konski here on the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I never get the flu. My kids don't need more shots. I don't have time. We're all healthy. My asthma's under control. I'm pregnant. I've had the flu. It's not a big deal. My kids are too old the for flu. The media is exaggerated. I can fight it naturally. No matter how you build your excuses, the flu can blow your house down. Keep your foundation strong. Vaccinate. Learn more at flu.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Yes, by the way, Coco, you got your flu shot, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, I got that. I got that. I got that maybe like a month ago. Okay. Yeah. I encourage people to do it, but um, I still got sick, but it's okay. I didn't get the flu, so I'm happy. So it worked. Uh, you know what happens with me in flu shots, though? Honestly, um, if I get them, I usually get sick like the next day, but it's not as if I would have gotten the flu. Well, like I said, I always get mine. Uh, every I try to get them every year. Uh, my reason is, like I said, when I was in my 20s, I had two seasons, one really bad flu. I mean, I literally was out for like two months almost. It took me a while to recover. And after that, I said, well, I'm going to start getting flu shots. Never going to feel this bad again. And knock on wood, I've never had, you know, I've, you know, I've never had the flu uh, since then. Uh, and actually, interestingly enough, I've never really had that many colds or been really sick all that often. You know, that was the. Oh, uh, you're lucky. I'm not I'm lucky, but it's like I don't know if one leads to the other. If one leads to the other, it's an interesting point here. Okay, we're right back to our conversation here. Okay, yeah, we we're talking about. Okay, now, do you know anybody? Not, okay, you know people in Georgia. So, what are they telling you about Georgia? I say Trump's going to win that, but do you differ? No. So, what are people? I definitely so what are they differ. I definitely differ. Um, because, like, I I happen to know a lot of people in Georgia, and a lot of them. I mean, of course, they're people going to vote Republican, but I think there a lot of people are going to start to vote Democratic in Georgia. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, is this around the Atlanta area that you know these people? Um, Atlanta, um, also kind of Marietta, um, yeah. you know, kind of all over Georgia. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, obviously, again, I and uh, and like I said, I know in the Midwest is going to be interesting because I, like I say, uh, uh, Wisconsin is a state I know. Interesting enough, uh, a lot of the early voting actually Republicans did fairly well getting people to the early voting. Uh, so I, I think that's going to be kind of interesting because I, uh, they, you know, they exceeded expectation. In fact, I think they actually had more. You know, early voters than the Democrats did with uh, independence in second. Yeah, I don't, yeah. And it's a, and again, it goes back to what I said. You know, when the governor of your state says to your fellow Democrats, get out and vote, you know, it kind of tells me they may not have reached those goals. And that's no, it's, it's, just, it's just telling people to vote. It's, I don't think it's, you know, I mean, what are you going to do? Not tell people to vote? You're going to no, tell people to vote I, regardless. Yeah, the point I'm making. I mean, my point would be is this: they put all of their chips in a lot of these states on early voting and absentee voting, absentee ballots and early voting. They basically put their chips there. And if you're in a situation where you're looking at that. the numbers, yeah, and you look at the numbers and the numbers are saying, "Hey, we didn't reach our goals and our objectives we thought we should." Oh, yeah, well, be reaching. Trump's out there telling people to vote as well. So we're all the other Republicans. So, you know, it's yeah, both but you sides. remember Republicans. Yeah, but here's the thing. Republicans have a ground game, which was designed to up the total on Election Day. Uh, they, you know, if you remember, mm-hmm. they started slow on the early voting and on the absentee. You know, some states, they've cut the margin down, but they've always had a ground game designed to finish to try to to try to either catch up or finish off on Election Day. And the question to me would be is this, they're less likely to be afraid of COVID than a Democrat is. Uh, And that's the dilemma you're going to find, you know, a lot of the Democrats are finding themselves in. You know, when you tell people you got this virus, you know, you're going to get sick, deadly sick, you better do this, this, and this. And then suddenly you're, okay, by the way, go out and vote. Oh, by the way, did you see what the CDC says? If you're sick, you can vote. Go ahead and go out and vote if you have COVID. Um, no, but, I mean, yeah, people should vote. I mean, wear a mask. Go out, wear a mask, drop your ballot off. I mean, that's how it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, you, know, you say, by the way, in case you're interested at this moment, uh, the first set of returns from Kentucky, Biden's in the lead. Indiana, Biden's in, uh, Trump is in the lead. Uh, New Hampshire, well, you got 26 votes, so I'm not sure uh, that counts or anything. Just for your information only. Uh, but let me see here. Okay. And... Uh, let me see what another state. Uh, Michigan's would be an interesting state for me, uh, mainly because I've been involved campaigning there. Uh, and I think that's another state that, again, actually, that's the state where I say the big surprise is going to be, I think John James is going to win uh, Michigan, the Senate. Not, it'd be the one surprise on the Senate side. 
So, uh, yeah, well, okay, now, let's see. Uh, again, I, polling, election anxiety, vote. Okay, let me kind of repeat these numbers again for people. Election day, state-by-state state polls. It is now coming up uh, 6.30, going into 7. Uh, Florida uh, should be closing in about 30 minutes. Georgia in about 30 minutes. Indiana, the central time zone, 30 minutes. South Carolina in 30 minutes. Virginia in 30 minutes. Vermont in 30 minutes. Uh, North Carolina, you got one hour left. Ohio, you got one hour left. West Virginia, you got one hour left. So if you haven't voted, you've got 30 minutes to an hour in those states. So we're doing our public service. Go ahead and vote. Single mom, God forbid I ever get sick. Universal health care sure. would have fundamentally changed my childhood, but it won't happen without a Democrat. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's Coco. Is there anything, uh, is there any state that you find interesting that you might be intrigued with? Any state? Well, right now, um, I'm interested in Georgia for sure, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's what I'm looking for. Mhm. Yeah, you know, here's the state. I mean, here's the again. There's always these certain states. I call them, you know, teasers. Mm-hmm. You know, for years, like Pennsylvania was a teaser where Republicans thought we always Any chance, problems? and we. Yeah. And uh, and it's one of those things. I use the word teaser because basically, basically what I mean by that is basically, you know, you always say, you know, there's always that. It's kind of like Lucy in the football with Charlie Brown. You know, you think you're close, but you never get it. You never get it, and it ends up going to the other party. That's when I look at Texas this election. Uh, for you, for your Democrats, you know, it's one of those things. You keep thinking we got it. We're close. We're close. It doesn't happen. Minnesota is another one of those states that I keep hearing about. Uh, Republicans have a chance to win. And there's this part of me that says, you know, I, I'm looking at the numbers. I know there's been some tightening in Minnesota. You know, Joe Biden campaigned there. Uh, obviously, somebody was telling him that there's certain polls you have to look at. But yet in the end, I don't see that going to the Republicans. If it does, that means Trump is on his way to a massive victory. Mm. I uh, disagree. No. Well, I'd say if he wins Minnesota, that to me would be, you know, a, you know, to me that would be a sign right off the bat that something is amiss. So. But, uh. All right. Uh, yeah. Okay. You know, you, you we talked about Arizona. We talked about uh, Nevada is another state. Again, I don't see Nevada going Republican. But what about New Hampshire? You know, I I'm going to say no. It's again. Uh, I you know it's. 
it's one of those states where it could under the right circumstances. But I haven't really, this is good, you know, it's more of a good instinct. It's a state that should be close, but I don't see it going Republican this year. But uh, I don't. Uh, uh, it should be, uh, that's the end. Yeah, that, I don't see that happening at all. Doesn't mean it doesn't mean it. It just has been off the radar screen for everybody. And I really haven't seen a lot of polls out there. But my gut tells me, you know, it's another one of those states where they always are close. Republicans never quite get over the top over the last two or three election cycles. They get close, but they didn't quite go over the top. Uh, that would be my view of that. That would be my view. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, New Hampshire's close. Um, I, I'm really excited to see Arizona tonight as well. Um, do you think that this could be – when do you predict we will know who is president? Probably 2 in the morning or 12 uh, midnight your time. Yep. And it also depends on – it's going to be interesting because you're going to have a hell of a lot of legal ramification dealing with the uh, various you know, various votes. I mean, the yeah. right now you, I mean, right now Pennsylvania to me is an interesting state because you had the attorney general pulling what I call the old the uh, old uh, Biden's got this in the bag, and if he does, then we're going to you know litigate like hell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, no, but like, and it goes both sides. You think if Trump doesn't win, you don't think like the conservatives are going to be out there? Like, I already know about uh, in downtown LA, Cal, Los Angeles, the the streets are like hotels are booked up with Trump supporters, and apparently um, the LAPD has been an alert that there might be a riot if he loses. This is like from someone that I know in. Well, I may put it this way. They're less likely to see Trump voters rioting than the other way around. No, I disagree. I don't. I mean, look, I mean, they, they overtook Beverly Hills the other day, Tom. Well, they didn't riot, did they? They just simply drove their cars. Yeah, they did. Different. They were blocking people. They weren't letting them go. I mean, uh, yeah, to me, that, that they were just they were causing, like, a huge problem. Well, like I say, because I know right now all of the every blue city I know is boarding up, and they're not worried about uh, Trump voters rioting, like D.C., like New York, like Chicago, like uh, Milwaukee, because of, you know they're worried about their own supporters rioting if Trump wins. Uh, so I, I'm not sure I would put much stock in that, but uh, are they have they boarded up any uh, cities? Have they boarded anything up? Are you seeing uh, stores being boarded up? Um, well, I know what I'm going to be doing tonight. I mean, I'm just going to be watching the news cycle like 24-7 and yeah. seeing what, what's going on and like the counting. That's my favorite part of an election, actually, is looking at the ballot counting. 
and mm-hmm. seeing what states voted for for who. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the Tom Donaldson, Coco Koska here on the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. This is Dr. Larry Fidoa, host of the Dr. Larry Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, inviting you to listen live every Wednesday evening from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time at blogtalkradio.com and the podcast every Monday through Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. I am called the philosopher of current events an independent, open-minded conservative with my own ideas. If you are interested in advertising or having your own show, email us at labachelor40 at gmail.com. Yes, the Dr. Larry Show follows our show on this network on the Block Talk Radio every Wednesday. And it'll be on tomorrow night following our show as... Tune in to You and the Law with Chief Virgil Green and Chief Keith Humphrey. The show focuses on law enforcement and their relationship with the black community while letting you know your legal rights as a citizen when confronted by the police. Listen live every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com and the podcast every Monday through Sunday at 4 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Yeah, those are great shows on the Bachelor News Radio Network. If you want to call in at 646-929-0130, feel free to do so. 646-929-0130. We're on every day of the thebachelornews.airtime.pro. 3 a.m. to 10 a.m. tomorrow night we'll be on back on the air. Uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 p.m. Cocoa time. So what can I say? Uh, all right. Okay, we talk about – let me so, – so you're going to basically spend the entire night uh, watching this on television. What? Spend the entire night watching this on television. Oh, God, I don't know. I, I do have to get up tomorrow really early, so um... – I probably will shut off the TV around nine and just wake up and see who's president. Mm-hmm. Well, we may, we may even have that debatable. So we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, we will see, uh, I suppose. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, I'm on the other side. Let's kind of leave me this. Uh, let me see what else is in the news here today. Uh, you know, it's, I think we kind of beat the election to death. I mean, I'll just say, you know, I'll just say one yeah. more time. I will, yeah, uh, I will say that, uh, as I stated, I say Trump's going to pull a surprise in that, in that he'll get at least 270 plus versus, uh, and he may even get as many as 300 electoral college. Probably end up losing the elect, but he'll probably end up losing the popular vote because California is uh, so basically California is going to basically make up the difference for anything Biden does because they're going to win that by four or five million. Like I, you know, that's what I'm thinking. But uh, 
So, well, by the way, your Los Angeles Dodgers won the World Series. I don't think we yeah. talked about that. We did. Yeah, but well, they won. Yeah, they won the World Series. The Lakers won the NBA title. Well, I guess that means the Rams have to win the have to win the Super Bowl, right? Yep. And well, how's yeah. When is the Super Bowl? Yeah, sometime in I think it's first of February, end of it, January, give or take. I that's a good, very good question. I'll have to go yeah. and look that one up. So, yeah, I'll have to look that one up here. Here's a story. This is a story. Oriole has built a doomsday vault. To protect cookies from an asteroid. Huh. Yes. There was the news of an Electra's Day asteroid passing by the Earth on November the 2nd, which was yesterday. Obviously, it did not land because we're still here today. But they actually have a special concrete bunker in Norway. Fashion away stockpiles of Orioles, along with a copy of the secret recipe in a case of the populace. Huh. I don't know about you, but I, I, I thought that was one of the, I, I don't know about you, but that kind of story struck me as like, you realize the only thing that could be left for food could be Orioles? The Norwegians will have Orioles to eat? Yes. So that's kind of funny. Yeah, that is kind of funny. So, and yeah, that's just one of the things I'm looking at. I'm keeping saying to myself, you know, this has got to be nuts. Are you seriously going to save the world from Orioles? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's. And I always thought it was what was the it was always the old joke there was uh Twinkies. Yes, Twinkies. Twinkies could survive anything. They said the Twinkies could survive an atomic bomb. Yeah. I remember that. I always thought myself Yeah, I always thought myself, you know, that was always one of those interesting things, you know, like uh, you know, I'm saying about yeah. The, you know, the Twinkie was the ultimate will survive anything for as long as it takes. So. Yeah. Uh, I right, remember here's a, that. Another, yeah. America's rapid get this. I want to make sure I get this wrap. Rapid feral hog problem. Is it creating oh, a super pig? Super pig? Yeah. Yeah, here it is. Here's the I story. have no I mean, idea what that is. Yeah. America's rapid feral hog problem is creating a super pig uprising. Combination, uh-huh. A combination of wild boars and the robust fertility of agricultural pigs are adding up 
to 9 million feral pigs in county. Uh, feral pigs have expanded from 17 to 39 states with a population a feral swine population. Just, you know, I don't know about you, but I mean, <coughs> excuse me. I cannot believe, here's 2020, and here's yet a killer. Here it is, Super Pig Uprising. I, can I, don't honestly, know if you I have no idea. Ahead. I have no yeah. idea. Okay. That is pretty bizarre. Pretty bizarre, yeah. Yeah, it, well, here's the thing. I mean, this is like 2020. You know, what else? You know, what else could you know, happen in 2020? Don't say that than, because the worst is going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, I'm just amazed. I mean, it's like, this, you know, these days, and I mean, you look at this, uh, and I keep thinking to myself, uh, you know, what else could go wrong? And here it is. Super pigs. I had no idea. I don't know. You're, you, yeah. Well, think of this one. Remember this, uh, 1984, I mean, uh, the animal farm? Yeah, of course. Well, they're all pigs, right? Right. That means it uh, won't be long. The animal, George Orwell's animal farm will now become true. Pigs will take over a farm. Yep. I feel like we're heading that way. Yeah. So, all right. Here's the other one. Girl, eight years old, pulls a 1,500-year-old sword from a lake in Sweden. Yeah, I I remember that. I actually remember that one. Um, that was really interesting. Um, that yeah, it was like it. She was. It was like a Viking. Um, yeah. I remember that very much. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, here's the story. Okay, eight-year-old finds while swimming in a lake. She finds his relic while they're on family holiday. Reported to be a thousand years old. The experts at the museum believe it could be even fifteen hundred years old. Uh, and I guess originally they thought they had found an unusual stick. Huh. But it turned but it turned out to be obviously a sword. The more they looked at it, the more they said uh, a sword. I do remember that, uh, actually. Yeah. So. That's fine. And here, yeah. Uh, okay, the last story here. Gerald the turkey removed from Oakland Rose Garden from a garden after terrorizing visitors. So really? Here it is. Yeah, here it is. Here's the story. San Francisco Chronicle. You know what? We have not had a story yet from uh, Florida. Crazy story from Florida. We haven't. Um, it's been a while. It's, it's been, been a while. A while. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's. Let me get this story here because I'm trying to. Uh, 
Well, it sounds like this turkey got loose. Let me hit it. Okay, somehow another got loose, terrorized the neighborhood. I mean, this is like going back to the super pigs here. Super pigs. Okay, yeah, I mean, it's like. Okay, here's the hit. Okay, here it is. Okay, it's uh, an aggressive turkey forced the closure of a rose garden. It's off to greener <laughs> and less rosy back. After five months resident, Gerald was captured and released into the wild. Released into the wild. This, you know, it's, so this basically you had a killer turkey on the loose. That's that's like Thanksgiving, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, you, you, tonight there's a movie about that. You, you I remember mean, you told me. The killer I did. Turkey, um, yeah. There is well, there is a movie called Thanksgiving. It's about a homicidal turkey. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know, like I said, this world, this year has been crazy. If it's, you know, we got super pigs, killer turkeys, we've had murder, what's it, uh, the murder wops or hornets. Right. We've had asteroids coming close to Earth. We have. Uh, this election, we have had this election. We've had pandemics. Makes you kind of wonder, you know, kind of wonder, we still have about two more months left uh, in uh, the year. What else yeah. can you predict? So, Not a I whole guess, lot. Yeah. I guess that means this would be, actually, you would have yourself a, you, you you know, this is almost like a nice screenplay. The super pig versus the killer turkey. Yes. Kind of like alien versus... Uh, alien yeah. versus predators. Predators, yeah. I mean, then we can throw in the murder, the, the murderous hornets. Oh, God. Of Not... Yeah. I would. I I don't want any murderous hornets. That would yeah. that would not be okay with me. Yeah. But as we're talking, you know, the polls are closing or they're starting to close in some areas. So um, right. I think it's just, it's just, we're going to see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, we already, we've done our prediction. So everybody next week, or at least well, we may know by tomorrow. Or certainly next yeah. week. <laughs> certainly next week. Uh, you know, which one of us was right? You got a nice sweep for Biden. I've got Trump winning. Uh, I got Trump winning. I got the Republicans holding on to the Senate. You got the Democrats taking the Senate. Uh, and so we will find out next week. Now, what up? Are they, what's the latest project you got that, that you can tell everybody? Um, I'm currently writing, so that's what I've been doing. Um, that's that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. I'm just freelance writing. Mm-hmm. Well, right now I've got, like I said, what I've been working on, I've got like a, a couple of major studies I'm doing for the foundation. Uh, I'm finishing up one to, uh, sometime tonight, uh, next week, uh, and then sometime next week because we're doing some uh, – post-election surveys, so we'll be doing a report based on the data we collect there. 
as well. So I'll be working on that next week. Interesting enough, for me, my political season doesn't end on Election Day. It keeps going until the New Year's and beyond. Uh, because basically I got all these reports, analysis, uh, post-analysis, what went right, what went wrong, where we need to go at this point, that type of stuff. So it's it should actually be kind of be like I say it's uh it's going to be kind of an interesting put it all together here. So uh, and Steve now he did the political commercial, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For Van Jones, is he is he did he do any other commercials or was that the only one politically? No, nope, that was it. Yeah. So. But it's well, yeah, gotten over to. seventy thousand views. Oh, that's good. How did he get through that? How did he how did he get into that? Uh, well, he has a friend of his who um came with came with this idea to him and asked if he would be able to do it and he said yes, of course. And that's how it, it was done. Oh, okay. All right, listen, ladies and gentlemen, it's Tom Donaldson, Coco Konsky. We'll see you tomorrow night here on the Donaldson Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network. So, good night. Hey, want to welcome everyone to this uh, Tuesday afternoon of uh, You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, you are listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and we are excited that everybody has uh, joined us uh, today on this um, election day that uh, uh, the polls are closing on the uh, East Coast, and uh, many other states will be closing. So this is a going to be an interesting day for uh, all of everyone that's listening to you and the law to see how does this election turn out um, as we go up throughout the night. So I am uh, one of the hosts of the show. Uh, my name is uh, Chief Green, and my co-host, uh, other co-host of the show, goes by the name of Chief Swag. And so, Chief Swag, how you doing? What's going on, Chief Virgil, man? You know what? It's a good day, man. It's a good day. It is. It's, it it's is, a it is. it's a good it's a good day, and we're gonna we're gonna claim it to be a good day, a positive day. Uh, you still not you still not getting it right, man. When you say my name, you're supposed to say this is you're supposed to say Chief Swag. Yeah, well, you know what? And I definitely gotta gotta put that you know the honorable the honorable Chief Swag. Okay. Humphrey. All right. All right, bro. We got you. 
Hey man, we we have got an exciting show uh, this, that we're uh, going to have, and hopefully our listeners will definitely uh, tune in because uh, we're going to have a guest coming on on the show who who is uh, a captain with the Oklahoma Highway Patrol out of uh, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. So uh, we're looking forward to him coming on and being a guest on the show. Can I can I ask you a question? Go right ahead, sir. I, you know, I know you got many questions, so go right ahead. Well, you just told everybody he's a cap, he's a for the Oklahoma Highway Patrol. Then you say from Oklahoma, city Oklahoma. Well, Oklahoma. Hey, come on, man. People know well, that. Well, well, you know, there's different uh, troops in it within the Highway Patrol, so you uh-uh. could be. No sir. With a, no sir. You could be with no, a troop sir. out of Tulsa, or you can be with a troop no, out sir. of. No, so, sir. you no, know, sir. but no, sir. okay, all right. <laughs> but, no, sir. But, but Keith, man, we we have we have put together another good show for our listeners, and uh, today we're going to be talking about a, a black police officer's perspective, the challenges uh, black men and women face in policing. So that that ought to be another hot topic. Uh, for for us to talk about and for our listeners to to join in, so we want to remind you that uh, the uh, the calling number to the show is six four six nine two nine zero one three zero. That's six four six nine two nine zero one three zero. And definitely uh, follow us on our social media. You can follow uh, you and the law on on uh, Facebook at um, you and the law. You can follow us on Instagram, and you can also follow us on Twitter at you the law one on Twitter. So. Uh, the chat room is open, so feel free to to, to leave a message, and the, the producer of the show will get those messages to us. So if you want to come on the air and talk with us, uh, we'll be more than glad to have you uh, come on and uh, share your thoughts and your opinions about this topic that we're talking about. So Keith, man, it, it you know it's been a the day is here. The day is finally here, November the third, for the election to be all over with. Well, I don't, you know, we, we, we hope so. Uh, we well, we've we talked about this. We don't know what to expect after midnight, you know. And so the, at the end of the day, what I'm just hoping for uh, is a peaceful outcome. That's all I want. And, you know, uh, everyone has their political affiliation. You, you and I have talked about this. You know, we don't talk political. We try not to talk political issues. I think, but from a law enforcement perspective and then for a, uh, as an American, uh, I just want this to be a peaceful, have a peaceful ending. I want it to end peacefully. Yeah, and you know, and from a law enforcement perspective, Keith, you know, we'll we'll touch on, you know, the incident that kind of that took place in in Austin, Texas, uh, because it it kind of, you know, uh, involves how law enforcement is, is going to deal with things over the next 48 hours, 72 hours, and the incident that took place in Austin was it has, has definitely got a lot of people concerned about the potential for some unrest, and we've seen so many cities, you know, D.C., New York, people are, you know, making sure that their uh, businesses are, are safe. They're, it's almost kind of treated as if it was a hurricane coming through because of all the plywood they put up, so... 
there's bruh, definitely some bruh, challenges bit, that law bruh. enforcement are going to make. Bro, let me say this. And I, you know, man, me and you best, me and you best bud. I'm going to call you bro. That was, that was <laughs> the most, no, no, that was the, that was the most hideous and sickening, disheartening thing that I saw in Austin. In Austin, oh, yeah. the exact yeah. same thing if that would have been a Trump bus and, 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 and Biden's uh, supporters would have done the same thing. I wouldn't have cared if it had been an independent. I wouldn't have cared if it would have been a, a busload of people going on a tour and someone would have done that. It's dangerous. It's disheartening. It's, um, it is a lack of safety, a lack of humanity. Uh, and so, you know, that, I've never seen anything like that. Other, you know, I've never seen anybody have a, a, a lack of respect for human safety in life uh, it, on a freeway. You know, we hear about these things happening, but to actually see it, that could have been that could have been horrendous for so many people. Yeah, well, you know, you know, Keith, I, I, you know, and not to make it sound like it was so extreme, but I, it was very serious. And I kind of, to me, and this is just me, Keith, I, you know, I kind of compared it to the Freedom Rider bus back in in the in the early 60s where the bus was caught on fire by, you know, this, this mob of people who attacked the Freedom Riders. Uh, you know, it, it was, it. you know, can you put it on that level because of the type of, of anger, the type of violence? And now it's so one-sided to where you got people are saying, well, the this car uh, was out of their lane and this, it hits oh, this man. truck. It, no, yeah. it, you know, no matter what way Come you on, put man. it, Keith, it, it was a, it was an act of road rage. It was an act of intimidation. But first of all, why would you have a contingency of vehicles on a major interstate surrounding a campaign bus that was full of people? You well, know, first of all, it, you, you had to know the route of the bus. And I'll say this again. It wouldn't have mattered to me whose bus that was. Exactly. Those were, those, were li- those were lives in that bus. Not only were there lives in that bus, that could have caused some lives, that innocent lives, other innocent lives that were driving in that area. It was embarrassing. Yeah. Yes, it was extreme. Uh, it was extremely. It was, it, was, it, was, it was worse than extreme. When you start playing with a car and you start playing with people's lives and you get your personal beliefs get caught up to the point that you have no respect for life or safety and you want to intimidate, that's, those are bully techniques, man. That's, not, that's, that's being a bully. Like, there's no other yeah, way to yeah. put it than being a bully and an intimidator. And, and, and yeah. There's no other way to put that. Yeah, exactly, sir. And, and that's the concerning thing about this. This is an election. Uh, everybody has got their own political beliefs, that, who they want to vote for, who they want to support, but that right there, as you stated, it was just it was disheartening. It was embarrassing to see something like that take place on a major interstate. And you know, for if people are, you know, some people are going to be held accountable for their actions uh, because, again, I think some people feel that they, if they got away with it, um, yeah. this is something that they can do again. So, you know, again, well, Keith, the, you know, like we've I been said, talking. Take the political, take the take the political thing out of it. 
Yeah. You know, like you said, we don't get involved in that. Take that out of it, man. That's a, that is yeah. that is that is toying with people's lives. You know, yeah, that's, that's just is. like that's just there's no different than you, someone on a motorcycle, and you keep cutting that person in and out, in and out, you know, cutting them off, weaving in and out of traffic. They've got to slow. They've got to try to evade you. There's no there's no difference. It's dangerous. It, it, it's 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 dealing with somebody's life. You don't do that. You don't get to that point. So yeah. I'm that's yeah. all I've got to say about it. Yeah. Well, Keith, hey, we're coming up on our first break, and so we're going to take this quick break, uh, and we're going to come back with our guest. And uh, but you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. If you want real discussions on politics, social issues, racial issues, and other topics, then tune into the Bachelor News Radio Show. Listen live every Monday and Thursday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at BlogTalkRadio.com. And if you miss the show, you can listen every Monday through Saturday at 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern and every Sunday at 5 a.m. and 3 p.m. at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Listen and be informed. Finally tonight, let's meet a St. Paul, Minnesota police officer who tells CBS's Jamie Ucas this moment in time is painful and personal. Officer Antoine Denson remembers the moment he decided to become a police officer. He was 12 years old. A Caucasian law enforcement officer got out of his vehicle. The whole entire bus stop was black. He searched every single one of us. And so I took it upon myself to try to make a difference for my people. You became a law enforcement officer, from what I'm hearing, because of racial inequality. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that, that's, the most, that's the most hurtful thing when I was hearing, you know, you don't belong here. Those memories flooded back to him last week as he stood among the protesters in front of the governor's mansion. The crowd yelled for the police to leave. You can't come in here. You're not welcome. A news reporter caught Denson in the light blue shirt, on one knee, crying. I, I told him I can't take my skin off, you know. I can, say I can take this uniform off, but I can't take my... I'm, I'm a black man. Miss, Mr. Floyd, that could be me. That could be my children. He said his tears were for his two sons, Jalen and Antoine Jr. How do you have conversations with them about what's going on? I just try to be truthful to him. I listen. Listening, learning, and now acting, helping the community heal. We can't say, well, that's not me, or we got bad apples. This is always us as a whole. We are sorry. I think to hear you say you're sorry is one of the most powerful things I've ever heard. Thank you. Right now, the country and the world is hurting. And this is a 400 plus years of hurt. and. I know a lot of people say, I understand. Well, no, I live it. I'm black. And we need to have a dialogue and talk about it. And now he wants to be sure black voices are heard within the Brotherhood in Blue. Jamie Yukas, CBS News, St. Paul. Hey, we want to welcome everyone back to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And uh, that just kind of sets us in, our, in motion for the uh, topic that we're going to be talking about today, Keith, with our 
special guest uh, uh, as we talk about a black police officer's perspective, the challenges black men and women face in policing. So uh, we have uh, joining us today is going to be Captain Paul Timmons with the Oklahoma Highway Patrol. He is a 32-year veteran of the of the OHP, and he, uh, with me and Paul, we've been knowing each other for several decades now. So he, he's a, definitely a, a good friend, and he is a part of uh, uh, the state uh, highway patrol here in Oklahoma. And so welcome to the show, Captain Timmons. For decades, huh? We've been knowing each other for decades. Well, I you appreciate know, you having me on tonight. Hey, hey, Paul, hey, Paul I, got, I got a question, Paul. <laughs> hey, okay. Hey, Paul, I got a question, man. This is Keith. I got a question for you. Where, where yes, is sir. Oklahoma Highway? Where is Oklahoma Highway Patrol located? Is that located in Oklahoma or what? Because that was Virgil act yeah. like he didn't know where. <laughs> wow, that wow. is located <laughs> in Oklahoma. Yeah, and uh, okay. man, let me say good good evening to you as well. I haven't talked to you in a while since you left uh, the good state of Oklahoma and moved uh, to the neighboring state. It's good to hear your voice, man. I haven't talked to you in a while. Hey. You too, man. You too, man. You know it's, it's good to hear you too, man. I uh, I'm so proud of you, man. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm you know I, I told you that a long time ago, you know, Cap. You know, just uh, I don't know, just, just I've been fortunate, man. I've been fortunate. I've been blessed, but you know, uh, had a lot of people that helped me along the way, you know, and yeah, I, I haven't known you as long as I have Virgil, but you know, uh, I have been able to. Uh, look up to you and, and gain some insights along the way as well. So, and, and, and proud of all the accomplishments that you've had throughout your career. Well, I appreciate it, man. We learn from each other, man. We mentor each other. Exactly. Exactly. Trust me. Yep. Yeah, well, we definitely do. And that's why we wanted to get you on the show, Paul, to talk about uh, some of the challenges that uh, that you've seen uh, just in your career, and uh, you know, you and I, we briefly talked about this, oh, probably about a week or so ago, um, and uh, because this is something that you know, I think our listeners are, uh, you know, would like to know, you know, what is, how's it being black, uh, whether you're with a, a state agency or whether you're with a, a, a municipal agency, yeah, in law enforcement, and so you know, it. it me and Keith talked about this on the show several weeks ago when we brought up Latika Anderson. You know, she's the first black female trooper in the state of Oklahoma, and there hasn't been one right. since. So uh, just kind of talk to us and our listeners about, you know, some of the things that that you see uh, in your role and in the challenges that, uh, that have come up that you faced and that you see others facing. Well, first of all, it's probably no different than it is with any other law enforcement agency in the country. Some of the same challenges. Uh, mm-hmm. I started with patrol back in the late 80s, and when I finished the academy, I got sent down to the southwest part of the state where they had never had a black trooper in that, that area of the state in the history of the patrol at that time. And, you know, it just... It was it was kind of mind blowing to me to mm-hmm. think that that type of activity still went on in uh, yeah, especially in, in just in the, in the country. 80s. 
Yeah, especially yeah. in the late eighties. I mean, you know, I mean that's been a, a fairly good while, but in reality, you know, we're talking about in the eighties, and you know, it just it was just kind of mind blowing to me the way that I was treated when I first went down there. Me and uh, my best friend, he went to the county just north of where I was assigned, and we were the first two black troopers ever in that part of the state, and. Uh, just some of the things that we had to deal with. First of all, finding a place to live down there uh, was a, was an obstacle. Um, mm-hmm. And then being uh, accepted by the other law enforcement agencies that were in the in the areas where we both worked was a challenge. Um, but you know, we we managed to overcome. We went mm-hmm. down there, took care of business, did our jobs, and we were rep- we were very well respected by the time both of us left, and we both left at the same time, transferring back to uh, Oklahoma City area. But, you know, like I said, uh, some of those same challenges that existed then are still out there, especially mm-hmm. for people of color when they try to yeah. get a law enforcement job. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's been some progress. But it's been slow, and it's been minimal. There's still a long way mm-hmm. to go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Keith, you got anything to, to add to that uh, conversation? Yeah. So let me ask you this, Paul. When, when you came through, like, when you and I have been in law enforcement the same length of time. And so was there, right. any, were there any actions to try to force you? How many, how many minorities or how many blacks were in your class? There were, I think, eight in my class. Yeah, eight in my class that graduated. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So was there a push to force any of any of the other any of the black troopers out? You know, how were they received in the? How were you all received in the academy by your instructors, by your classmates, and things like that? You know, there were the 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 subtle overtones or undertones, however you want to put it, throughout the academy, especially uh, for those that were in my academy that didn't have any prior law enforcement experience. Or um, youngest, The youngest black guy in my academy was 23, and he had never been in any type of law enforcement before. I was pretty fortunate. I had um, law enforcement experience prior to going to the patrol. So I kind of knew how to deal with the law enforcement culture, but um, the academy for us, I mean, there were six of us in there and or eight of us in in that academy and six graduated. And uh, whenever we graduated, my best friend and I were the two closest together as far as the other four blacks in that patrol school. They were scattered all over the state. And at that time, we had a commissioner that wanted to um, show that the patrol had diversity, some type of diversity. And uh, they were hiring black troopers, and they wanted to, he wanted to try to set a precedent at that time to, to show the state of Oklahoma that there were black troopers. Now, now mind you, when I came on the patrol in 1988, there weren't, but I think 15 black troopers in the whole state. So, uh, for the lack of a better term, you know, 
whenever I stopped someone down in in the part of the state where I was, you know, I was considered more or less a novelty because no one down there had ever seen a black trooper before. And they didn't think it was a real, or they didn't think I was a real trooper to start out with. But, you know, it just, you do what you got to do. Take care of business, be professional, and uh, pray. (laughs) Pray for your safety. (laughs) And, you know, hope that it gets better over time, you know. Well, Paul, you, you said in 1988 there was probably what 15 troopers. So here we are. In yeah, I think it was about 15. How many? Here we are in 2020. How many black troopers are on the Oklahoma Highway Patrol? Well, you got to understand. At one time, we had as many as 45, uh, and which is yeah. still not a lot because when our numbers were high, we were probably around pretty close to 900 troopers in the state, and that was still below the allocated manpower. But at that time, at one time through the the 90s and early 2000s, there were probably as many as 45. And right now, currently, I want to say there's 23 right now. And out of the 23, or however, 20-something, it's it's not more than 23, 25 maybe at the most. I've kind of lost track, but... Out of that number, probably 15 have enough time on to retire right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so how large is the Oklahoma Highway Patrol? What is the size of the agency now? Well, right now our numbers are really down. I think the numbers, the latest numbers are around seven, between 750 and 760. Yeah. So, so around 760 total troopers, but out of that, you you probably got, uh, you know, somewhere around, you said, what, below 30. Between 23 and 25. Between, yeah, about 25 black troopers, and only one. You got about three to five, three to five percent. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it is less than that, actually. Yeah, Yeah. and only one of them is, and you only got one black female trooper. Yes. Yes. So That's yeah, and, and so, and 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 I think you know we're we're coming up on a on a, another break, and so but when we come back from this break, we're definitely going to get in and talk about you know the challenges of recruiting, and and with everything that's going on, uh, Paul, with with the the protests and all that, how does does that impact uh, you know potential for bringing on more you know, recruiting minorities, whether, you know, you're black or Latino or, you know, both men and women. So we're going to take this break and we're going to come back and we're going to jump back into that conversation. But you listen to the Bob presents talk radio like you've never heard it before on the Bathroom News Radio Network. We go live every Tuesday and Wednesday on this network, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to the bachelornews.airtime.pro. We are on the cutting edge and we are ahead of the curve on what is happening while the media tries to catch up. We talk issues from right to left. Once a month, we have Ladies Night where we talk relationship in the 21st century and nothing is off limits. Donald the Files on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
Hey, we want to welcome you back to uh, you and Delonda back to News Radio Network. Uh, we want to remind you that there are so many other great shows that are on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and one of those shows is the Bachelor News Radio Show, which is uh, hosted by L.A. Bachelor. The show discusses issues of race, politics, policing, and justice, uh, among many other topics. And you can listen to the uh, Bachelor News Radio Show. Uh, Monday through Thursday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at blogtalkradio.com. And uh, you can also catch the rebroadcast shows of the uh, Bachelor News Radio Show at the bachelornews.airtime.pro. That's the bachelornews.airtime.pro. And if you're interested in advertising on the Bachelor News Radio Network or if you're interested in having your own show, uh, reach out to us at labachelor40 at gmail.com. That's at labachelor40 at gmail.com. And, and Captain Timmons, we're uh, glad to have you on the show. And uh, with uh, me and my uh, esteemed co-host, who goes by the name of Chief Swag. So, so you yeah, listen to Chief us Swag, no, that's suitable. Yeah, that's suitable. Yeah, but, yeah, but, the, yeah, but, but one thing about it, Chief Swag knows where. Oklahoma Highway Patrol is located. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna continue you're gonna continue to call me out to all of our listeners all across this man. Paul, we've got listeners from. They were thinking the same thing, man. They just can't say it, but they were thinking the same thing. So y'all not gonna draw me into that. I, I'm just not gonna be a part of it. Paul, can I ask you something? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Isn't it, isn't, it, isn't it sad in 2020 that you can count the number of minorities in a law enforcement agency? I mean, when you can say, you it's know, terrible. It, it would be good to say, it's terrible. You know, it would be good to say you have 600 troopers, just say 650, and you say, well, we've got at least 300, you know, minorities. Minorities, 250 are, are, are black and, and amazing. Yeah. But it, it's like that in a lot of police agencies throughout the nation. You can say, well, we got, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, how do you have Latika as being the first and only black female trooper in the history of that organization? I mean, how do you, I mean, that's just, that's, that's sad for 2020. I mean, that's just, that's sad. Yeah. And, you know, I wish I had an answer for you. Uh, on that question, I mean, we have had um, black females to apply in the past, and there's always a, a, a part of the process where they come up a little bit short, at, at least during the, the process. Now, in the recruiting piece, I, I was in recruiting. I ran a recruiting division for a number of years, and... Uh, in the recruiting piece, I think the the thing that really doesn't appeal to a lot of a lot of women in general is the fact that we are a state organization, and there's a possibility that you can be assigned anywhere in the state. And sometimes the fact that you may have a a female that has small kids at home or, or kids in general at home that she may be the sole caregiver, or she may be taking care of one or both parents 
of situations like that and the and the the possibility of being assigned to an area that would not allow her to be able to continue to do so you know once they found that out um it just they 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 have to move on and you you can't blame them for that you know our recruiting has changed over the years to where now if we have someone that desires to go back to a certain area of the state and they have a legitimate reason for wanting to go back or even if they just want to go back, we try to place them in that area where they want to go or at least as close to that area as we possibly can, uh, If provided they make it through the academy and through the break-in period. Um, they're going to go back to their home areas. That's something that... Uh, after a lot of talk and debate that I had to go through with our administration at the time when I was in recruiting, they finally made the, the conscious decision to, to make a change to where they were assigning these people. Um, I mean, you get more people in general that want to apply if they, if they know they're going to a certain area. If they if they right. gotta uproot uproot their whole family and move to a different part of the state, or if they they they're gonna if they know they're gonna get to go back home where they want to go, so that that's helped some. But um, again, uh, another one of the things that that typically kind of uh, is not favorably looked at by a lot of women is the fact that, like I said, we're a state agency, and a lot of times. Uh, especially in the rural areas of the state, you know, you, you work by yourself. I mean, when I first came on, like I said, I was stationed down in Duncan, and the majority of the shifts that I worked down there, I covered three counties by myself. Of course, you know, I was brand new, young, single at the time, so I didn't care. It didn't matter to me. Right. I was just right. uh, excited about being a trooper. And so, yeah, it didn't matter. But looking back, you know, uh, had my situation been different at the time, probably would have made a difference to me. I don't know. I mean, it could have. Right. So. Yeah. Right. Well, 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 Paul, let me ask you this. You know, I, a lot of people probably don't know this, but does um, the type of academy that the Highway Patrol have is, is almost, a, you know, a military style, which it is a military-style military uh, academy, does that... <clears throat> Does that have any bearing on uh, once you talk to the, you know, minorities and they understand what they're getting into? Does that have any any barriers on it to say, you know, I'm not going to go through, you know, getting up at four o'clock in the morning, kind of like boot camp, you know, going through the Marines or going through right. the military? Does that have right. any any bearing on it? It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, the patrol is a paramilitary organization and. Our academy is structured much like the military academies, and there's a lot of in-your-face. There's a lot of physical fitness involved in the academy. It's not the same type of physical fitness that that it was when I went through the academy, but it's still there. And mm-hmm. early mornings, late nights, um, interrupted sleep at night. So, and, I mean, it's all done for a reason. Yeah, it's been yeah. said that... Uh, Oklahoma Highway Patrol Academy is one of the toughest academies in the in the nation. Yeah, I felt like it was when I went through it. And yeah. as far as 
compared to other academies, you know, I can't speak to other academies, but I know ours is it's pretty physically demanding as well as mis- mentally demanding. So you got to have the right frame of mind if you're gonna if you want to do this job. Yeah. Well, well, Frank and Keith, you know, one of our, our listeners, our loyal listeners to you and the law, uh, is uh, Frank Atkinson. He is a former trooper, former Fed, and he he shared with me that back in 1980, uh, when he went through the uh, uh, patrol, it was eight. I think there was only eight uh, black troopers. So you came in. In 1988, so between those eight years, not not a lot had really changed in those eight years from from when he went through the patrol. Right, and so it, it hadn't even changed really that much since I went through. There was only one other class that graduated a total of six blacks, and that was two years after my academy. Um, so 1988, 1990. Since I've been with those are the largest numbers of blacks that have been in academies. Mhm. Yeah. Well, and you know, one of the and, um, and as we talk about, you know, the challenges that uh, minorities face in policing and preparing for the, you know, the show, um, just to give our listeners a perspective of just how you, that and, and I've said this before on our show, Paul, that we are a minority in this profession. Uh, in the, the city of Cleveland, they've got over 1,600 police officers, and out of that 1,600, only 360 are African Americans. And right. so, and, and when you look at agencies, you know, just all across the board, whether it's in Oklahoma, Arkansas. Uh, New York, Cleveland, South Carolina, North Carolina, it, it is, you don't see a lot of men and women in this profession. And, and the older ones you're seeing, they're retiring, and it's, they're not being replaced with the, with yeah, the, exactly with right. the young generation. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. Uh, and, and historically, so, uh, you know, minorities, especially African-Americans, have not uh, given much thought about getting into law enforcement unless you come from uh, uh, a family, family situation, say, that has somebody that that's already involved in law enforcement. And a lot of my, a lot of blacks just don't grow up around uh, police role models. Y'all, I was fortunate in the sense that I come from a law enforcement family. I had a bunch of cousins that were in law enforcement, and they influenced me and several younger cousins of mine that that was a career path that we wanted to pursue. Yeah, because, Paul, you've got several of your brothers that are in law enforcement. One retired from the Hobbit right. Patrol. One, uh, I don't know if he's, is, is he still with uh, Langston? No, he, he retired two years ago, three years ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay, which is, which is the only, mm-hmm. you know, the historical black college in, in Oklahoma but, you know, Paul, I know your time is going to be limited with us here in just a few minutes, but, you know, do you see the – so when we talk about Black Lives Matter and we talk about the things that, that have occurred, what's, do you see uh, white officers having a different viewpoint from black officers 
from the things that we see, from the things that they see. What, what's your opinion on, on on that? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I, 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 they do have a different perspective, a different opinion, um, because a lot of well, none of the white police officers have ever experienced anything that a black person has. You know, either whether whether it be in law enforcement or outside of law enforcement. Um, you know, I've been stopped by police officers before off duty and and treated a certain way until they figured out who I was. But yeah, you know, that's an advantage that I have that a lot of people don't have. Uh, and sometimes it makes a difference, and sometimes it may not make a difference. Difference, you know. Fortunately enough for me, that it always has made a difference. And I'm like a lot of black fathers, man. I've got a, a son who is your average young African-American male. He wears his hair mm-hmm. the style that he chooses, um, and he drives a nice car for a 23-year-old kid. Um, and I worry about him every day, and I, and I talk to him about that all the time. And he's never experienced the things that I have growing up. Um, he's never had to deal with, uh, well, he's been stopped by police officers before, but fortunately enough for him, the name recognition worked it for helped. him. And I talk, yeah. it, it helps, yeah, it helps. And, and I talked to him about that, even that, you know. I mean, that could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing. Uh, fortunately mm-hmm. enough that he is a kid that he knows the difference between right and wrong. He He's pretty level-headed. He makes good decisions. And the majority of the time, he does what he's supposed to do where he doesn't get any trouble, or at least yeah. that I know of anyway. <laughs> Nothing you know, I've ever been called yeah. on. So. But, yeah. you know, I know how he was what? raised. So, yeah. uh, fortunately, he's a good kid. So, yeah. But you still yeah. have that concern. Hey, Virgil, before, before Paul goes, I, I do have to say something. He won't toot his own horn, but for many years, Paul was the face of the Oklahoma Highway Patrol. He was the P.I.O. <laughs> and so we yeah, see him on yeah, TV, yeah. Many, many, many positive and negative, more positive than negative things. And I just wanted to say, man, I was, you know, that's one of the things I'm proud of you for, your recruiting and uh, and the Black Troopers Association, your, your uh, uh, you know, you being part of the Black right. Association and, and things like that. So, you know, you talk about us being you being proud of me and Virgil, man. We're proud of you, man. I mean, to, to turn on yeah. the TV and see the face of the Highway Patrol based on everything that we just you were just saying as an African-American male, uh, and you're very well respected, uh, not only throughout the state of Oklahoma, but throughout the nation. So I just want to give that shout-out to you. Well, yeah. I appreciate well, it. I, you know, and that's, I've I, always tried to be a positive role model. You know, and you never know who's watching, and you never know who you may influence. And right. I try to uh, always be a positive role model and, and just just positive in general. Because, uh, like I say, you never know who's watching and what kind of influence you may have on. Some kid may decide that, hey, one day I want to do what he's doing. So, and I just want yeah. them to know that anything's possible. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, hey, Paul, man, we definitely appreciate you coming on the on you and the Law uh, podcast show on the on the Bachelor News Radio Network, man. And we we definitely got to get you back on when we've got a little bit more time to have you. But 
it's been a pleasure having you on the show today, sir. You know what? I want to. I I I really want to thank you guys for reaching out to me and asking me to be on the show, and I would definitely like to come back. Um, something came up this evening where I just wasn't able to be here the whole time, but I would definitely love to come back and talk some more when uh, okay. the opportunity presents itself. So keep me in mind. All right. Well, you will always have an open invitation to come on the You and the Law podcast show on the Bachelor News Radio Network. So with that, Paul, we definitely appreciate it. And keep, we're going to take the break, man. We kind of passed that, but we're going to take this quick break. But you're listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Greetings and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, back to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We want to remind you that the calling number to the show is 646-929-0130. That's 646-929-0130. And we want to remind you that if you cannot catch us uh, live, you can definitely catch You and the Law on the rebroadcast of You and the Law Monday through seven days a week, pretty much. And uh, you can catch us at 4 a.m. and 6 p.m. And that is at the uh, bachelornews.airtime.pro, the bachelornews.airtime.pro. You can catch the rebroadcast show of You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. And, and Keith, you know, this is, uh, you know, an interesting topic that we're having uh, with our listeners about, you know, the challenges that um, that our black men and women are facing in law enforcement and just the uh, the especially with everything going on, Keith, is something, you know, we've talked about week after week, you know, and it, with the topic that we had last week about the police unions and how the the black uh, police officers came out and wasn't, didn't support their union endorsing, uh, you know, Trump for president. Uh, let me ask you this question, and, and listeners, if you can chime in and call in and send a, a message to in the chat room, but, you know, I think being a black police officer, you have a, a, a unique perspective, Keith, from seeing things from both sides that we that maybe you know white officers are not able to to see. What what's your opinion on that? Well, we're you know we're in a we're in a very unique unique and fortunate situation. Uh, we we wear the badge, uh, and we're we're African American uh, men and women uh, who wear the badge. Uh, the, the difference is, is when we take our uniform off, we still have the same. We still have our skin uh, that we have to uh, that we have to walk around in. But at the same time, we do see uh, a lot. I think we understand a lot of what's going on. I think we can explain. I mean, I find myself sitting down having those what we call teaching moments uh, to to officers, young African American officers you know, white officers, we have those conversations regarding, hey, this is why this is going on. That's why it's important to have this. This is why people are so angry, especially the communities of color. They're angry because of the historical um, 
attitudes and historical actions of law enforcement in um, minority communities. And, and so when you sit down and explain to some, there, there are going to be officers that understand that it's not about them as an individual. It's not about them necessarily because of the way they look. It's because of the badge, and there have been officers that have taken advantage of that to uh, oppress and to take anger out on people of color uh, just because they have a badge on. So, you know, it, it, we do have that. We, we, we are fortunate that we, we, we do see both sides, but at the mean, at the same time, we can explain, uh, you know, uh, I think we can explain more in depth and more from the heart uh, and more from an historical and also a uh, firsthand point of view of, of what the concerns yeah. are and what we need to do to, to, to make those better. Definitely. And if I, we'll do think, it, Virgil, know, if we'll do that, if we do that, Virgil, because you, you have yeah, some African-American officers. Yeah. You have some African-American officers that just will not do it. They, you know, no. I'm not, I, I, I'm cool with everybody. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. That's not my mm-hmm. problem. I'm not that way. I've never worked with anybody that way. But trust me, we've all worked with somebody that's been that way, whether they're black, whether they're white. We've always worked with that guy or that girl. Yeah. We've, we've all worked with them. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think, you know, this, this goes back to the conversation we've had many times before um, about, you know, everybody's accountable for their actions. But, you know, when we continue to see these, you know, cell phone videos, uh, or even body, you know, body cam videos of officers, you know, violating the person's uh, rights. And, and that's what this show is all about, Keith, is, you know, you and the law, you know, we're, we're having a conversation with you all about what your rights are when you're dealing with police officers. This And this is coming from the perspective of two uh, individuals who are in law enforcement. And so, but Keith, you know, I think, you know, one I, I saw a video not too long ago, and I think it was out of the, uh, I think it was out of Baltimore, or Philadelphia, where this officer had, you know, pulled over a group of kids walking home from school. They were walking to a public bus stop, and this officer, you know, grabbed them up, you know, just jacked them up, and pretty much harassed them and, and intimidated them. And you know. Oftentimes, you know, there was a white female officer there. There were other officers there. But the concern that I have is that we need officers, I don't care what color you are, we need officers to step up and say, listen, dude, this is not how we are out here policing uh, in our community. Why is that so hard to do? I don't know, Keith, because it's almost like, no, because if I do, now I'm not friends with them or now they're going to label me and put me over here. And then you got people say, well, now you're messing with that, with that person's job. But at the end of the day, when you're jacking up 15- and 16-year-old black kids who are walking home from school, they haven't committed a crime, and you just sit there and as if, like, oh, I'm not going to get involved with it, but no, when you walk up to that, to that office and say, listen, man, we don't do that. Now, that's just unacceptable, and I think when you start calling out those bad behaviors, then these things will change. Now, you know, if, that, if, if, if it comes to the point where you got two people got to go at it, you know, I think, you know, somebody needs to step in and say, listen, you know, we're not going to do this, but 
again, Keith, we, we continue to see this level of disrespect and this level of I'm the police, I, this is what I told you to do, and, boy, if you don't do it, you're going to suffer some consequences. But and I think that's why the public has such a distrust, even for black officers, because they're saying, well, what are you doing? You're not doing anything about it. Well, think about this, Bert. The last three, last three, several uh, shootings that have involved uh, officers uh, and and people of color, there has always been an officer there that failed to step in. Exactly. That failed to intervene. You, the the textbook for that, the poster child for that, was the George Floyd situation. You had three. Mm-hmm. And none of them stepped in. So I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear anybody talking about. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. What is right? What is, what is right? You know what? When is when is right? When does when does right occur? When does yeah. when does when does that occur? When does right occur? When does common sense kick in? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want to hear anybody. I'm I'm, I'm tired of hearing. Well, I don't. I don't want to be the outcast, or I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want them to be mad at me. So you would rather allow somebody's civil rights to be violated, or you would rather, uh, you would rather get, you would rather get days off, or you would rather have to live with those consequences the rest of your life and step up and say that's wrong. We're not going to do that, or report that person. That, that gets mm-hmm. old after a while, man. They're, 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 that gets it, very, very old after a while. Yeah, it, it really does, and I think that's, you know, one of the things that you, when you have organizations like Black Lives Matter, the NAACP, the ACLU, all these organizations, they are trying to, you know, everybody wants the police to police themselves, and everybody wants the police to be good police officers in their communities, and, you know, Everybody will say, well, it's just that one bad apple. Well, that one bad apple really just kind of spreads throughout that agency. And it, even if you if, if you remove that bad apple, there's other bad apples. So, uh, again, I just think it's upon minority officers to really step up to the plate and and really say, you know, enough is enough, and we're not going to tolerate this, and we're not going to accept it. And the fact that, you know, Keith, and I think we got some some black officer will say, and I think you made this comment a little while ago, man, everything is good. We don't have a problem. I don't see it. And, and what do you say? I mean, if you don't see it, what are you looking at? I think that's my point. If you don't see it, what are you looking at, especially when, you look at yourself, are you being promoted through the ranks? Are you being uh, put on special, you know, a special assignment or whatever it may be on the SWAT team or what, whatever it is, but do you see any potential growth for yourself? And I, how much does that impact uh, black officers who feel like, man, I'm trying not to get out of uh, working this division, so I got to keep my mouth quiet and maybe I'll get this promotion or maybe I'll get moved to, you know, wherever else I want to be. Does that have any, any, any role in that key? Man, I look back on my, on my tenure and I had one tell me that one time, man, you know, I got weekends off. Uh, I got a take home car, man. I don't, I don't want to rock the boat. 
Well, man, you know what they're doing is wrong. Yeah, but, man, that's not my problem. You know, I, I, I'll deal with that when I have to. I mean, I've worked with, I've worked with, with those type of officers, uh, especially minority officers in the past, uh, still work with them. You know, still work mm-hmm. with them. Have one ask me, ask, have one ask me based on an email that I sent. Uh, ask me, well, what kind of response did you think you were going to get? Well, I thought it was going to be open dialogue. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought it was going to yeah. be. But, you know, it's, I mean, it's like I was, I was wrong for what I did, you know? I mean, so it, it's, it's just amazing to me, the, 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 uh, uh, nonchalant attitudes or the fear, uh, that you see and people say, oh, that's easy for you to say, well, well you know what? At, at the end of the day, man, I got to go home. At the end of the day, I got to look at myself in the mirror when I shave. At the end of the day, I've got to look at my kids and I want to be able to look at my kids and say, I did something right. Stood up for what's yeah. right. I stood up, you yeah. know, when I heard this being said, I stood up for it. You know, I, I refuse to take that assignment because I can't work for somebody who makes these type of comments. That That's what you have to, that's what you have to do. Um, yeah. And it doesn't matter, black, white, it doesn't matter if it's a black supervisor that makes the comments about uh, whites or Hispanics. It doesn't matter, but you got to stand up and you got to be a man. You got to be a woman. If you're going to put the badge on and you talk about, you take an oath. And part of that oath is that you, you you stand up for what's right. It talks about integrity, and it talks about you protecting those that can't protect themselves. That's part of that is standing up when you, and calling something out when you see it, and and then and then not worried about what's going to happen to you, but be thankful that you were able to preserve, that you were able to do something for someone to help them grow and help make the organization better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Keith, you know, one, you know, I start uh, out in Oklahoma City with the Oklahoma City Housing Authority and working in the projects. And, you know, I think people have this mindset that if people live in public housing, that they don't have any rights, that they give up those rights because of the subsidized housing that they're living in. And, and you can just kind of treat them any kind of way and talk to them any kind of way. And, man, I, I, I remember, you know, uh, taking you know a little bit of weed off of off of a dude man and, and I said man this ain't enough to take this person to jail oh no man we're taking them to jail they're they're on federal housing you know I'm like no nah, man you can destroy this in the field and I got literally jumped you know by a supervisor by saying how dare you do that you will never do that again and I'm just like you know man this person did not deserve to go to jail because it was just a little bit of, a little bit of amount of marijuana, uh, hey, you know, but, again, you have officers of, of the other race who look at that and say, oh, this is an arrest for me. But then as a black man, I'm looking at it, What? how will this impact this person? Yeah, they're, it's illegal. Okay, we get it. But what will I do to this person uh, by taking them to jail? Will they lose their job? Uh, what else will, will happen? Up versus talking to that individual and trying to make a difference. And I think I did that a lot to really help people. And even to the point where I had people come back and say, man, you know, if you didn't help me, you know, I would, I would have went to jail, you know, and, and I wouldn't have been able to, you know, keep my job. So I think when we have officers who really take it upon themselves to, to look at the human side of things and help people when you can. Uh, and we just right. don't see we don't see a lot of that 
in in policing nowadays, and I think that's why the public has such a uh, a distrust for policing. But you know, if if you know, Keith, I think we can accomplish this uh, if it's done in the right manner with dealing with people with our faith-based organization, with our, you know, other other stakeholders in the community to really try to change how minorities look at, uh, look at policing. Well, yeah, I think as a whole, I think as a whole, how yeah. people look at policing, yeah. especially, uh, especially minorities, man, it's, uh, yeah. This has got to get better. I'm a, I'm an optimist that it's going to get better. I keep saying that, and I see little bitty things that that are positive signs of this. Yeah. But I, you know, I, my biggest thing right now, man, is just uh, we got to get through these turbulent times in the nation. Uh, we have to quit talking about defunding the police and understand what reforming is. Uh, we've got to hold our elected officials accountable to help in the reform of law enforcement. Um, and and as police chiefs, we have to step up and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. You know, no, no, we're not cutting corners. This is what we're going to do. This is what we, people expect for us to do, and we can make it happen. It's not going. It's not going to happen overnight, but uh, it can yeah, happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Keith, man, hey, we're coming up on the last minute of the show, and you know, man, it's been a, another great show, and hopefully, our listeners have uh, been able to you know, the information we share with them, that it's been been helpful. But, you know, man, hopefully we can, uh, the, the next uh, 72 hours, 48 hours will be uh, some times that we won't have anything going on after this election with the polls closing. But, but man, it, again, it's been good to, good to visiting with the, with our listeners and uh, Keith, uh, We'll uh, see everybody when we come back next week, and uh, we'll definitely have another interesting topic for our listeners, but you are listening to You and the Law on the Bachelor News Radio Network. All right, good night, everybody. Good night.